0: When our best fur friends leave our world, many of us are left wanting one last scritch, one last hug, one last walk together. One Last Network is a space for pet guardians to honor their pets in their senior years and to cope with the days leading up to and after their passing. Here's your host, Angela Schneider, founder of One Last Network and Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington. to one last network and the art of unleashing your fury it's just me this week talking into the ether and hoping we can unravel some of the intense emotions we feel when we've lost our best fur friend or even when we're facing that hardest goodbye when we lose someone special or a beloved pet we experience and endure any number of complex emotions once a month I'll be digging into each one of these emotions, relating what I've learned in my grief studies to my personal experiences with it. This month is anger, an emotion that can range from irritability and thinking, oh, just piss off in the direction of everyone and everything or full blown blinding rage, acting out, punching walls, the whole nine yards. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, A psychiatrist who wrote on death and dying, in which she theorizes the five stages of grief, proposed that anger is a natural response to the pain of loss and can serve as a coping mechanism, allowing us to express and release our emotions. Other researchers have delved into the unique bond we share with our pets, which intensifies the grieving process and the associated anger. Dr. Sandra Barker, a professor of psychiatry and director of the Center for Human-Animal Interaction at Virginia Commonwealth University, has conducted extensive studies on the impact of pet loss on human emotions. Her research shows that the loss of a pet can evoke emotions as profound as those experienced in the loss of a human loved one. Last summer, Even while I was in the throes of learning about grief and how to apply it to my work as a professional dog photographer, I was a ball of fury. You couldn't look twice at me without the rage boiling over in my brain. Many times for no reason. But holy heck, (laughs) dog helped the guy who decided to argue with me over why his dog should be allowed to run off leash in a leash required park here in Spokane Valley. I maybe didn't understand at the time what was happening, despite my studies. Mom had died just six months earlier, and my grief came, <laughs> still comes, in waves. Unexpected bursts. Sometimes it's tsunami, other times just a trickle. And for a while it brought rage. Rage that was complicated with grief and sadness and all kinds of other emotions. It was confusing as hell. It still is sometimes. When we're grieving, we sometimes direct the anger at ourselves, thinking we could have done more or somehow prevented a loss. We might be angry at the circumstances surrounding the loss. If only she had worn her life alert necklace. Or the old fuck cancer comes to mind with a lot of pet lovers I talk to. It can be directed at friends and family who don't see the depth of our grief or recklessly, foolishly, we direct it at strangers who have no clue the storm front that is about to be unleashed upon them. It can be directed at your higher power or even toward the person or pet we've lost as we grapple with the unfairness of their absence. I don't know that I was ever angry at Shep when he died back in 2014. And the experts at the grief recovery method suggest we don't have to ever feel angry to heal from our grief. But holy shit, did I ever get pissed off at mom sometimes, especially the day I read the tributes to and memories of her on her online obituary. I thought, why didn't she ever let me know that person? As I scrolled through stories of her generosity, caring and doting toward the children she encountered at the daycare where she was Kathy the cook. (laughs) I'm sorry, she let the daycare children cook with her? Or whenever I wanted to help in the kitchen, I was shushed and pushed out as if the kitchen was her sanctuary and I was a trespasser. And just as we direct our anger at various people or objects, we all experience and manifest the emotion differently from person to person, from day to day, from minute to minute even. We might simply feel on edge or irritable. Other times we can go full hog and lash out at whomever, whomever is standing right next to us, and at the extreme, our lashing out leads to a vicious cycle of guilt and resentment and more anger. That means we need to channel that anger in a more constructive way, without suppressing the anger, because that can hinder our healing process, leading to even more guilt and resentment and anger. As one of my mentors, David Kessler likes to say, you gotta feel it to heal it. Guys, we have to let that anger flow through us, but constructively, not raging at people with their dogs off leash, and maybe try to understand where it's coming from. Now, remember, I'm not a licensed counselor or psychiatrist. I'm a certified grief coach. And this advice comes from personal experience and studying the experts, <laughs> the psychiatrists and the counselors. Understanding the anger is a crucial step. We should take the time to identify the root cause of our anger. My anger at my mother and the way she allowed other children to cook with her boils up because I don't believe we ever had the kind of a relationship I thought a mother and daughter should have. It was, uh, well, it was like a 2010 Facebook relationship status. Complicated. How did I get there? How did I realize what was really at the cause of my resentment? I stopped myself in the moment and allowed myself to reflect on my thoughts. In my grief training, I learned about the 90-second rule proposed by Dr. Joe Bolt Taylor, a neuroanatomist and author of Whole Brain Living and My Stroke of Insight. According to Dr. Jill, when we experience an emotion, such as anger, it takes about 90 seconds for the physiological response to occur in our bodies. The brain sends a rush of chemicals through our system, and if we allow ourselves to fully participate in whatever emotion comes through, without getting caught up in thoughts and stories, the chemicals will naturally dissipate. If we stay conscious with the flood of emotions and time it, We can allow ourselves to feel the anger without resistance or judgment. We can observe the physical sensations and emotions that arise and with practice, notice that the intensity of the emotion, in our case this month, anger, gradually diminishes within the 90 seconds. When we become aware and accept what is happening, we can remind ourselves that it is okay and natural to be angry and it does not define us as angry people. It is just a natural part of the grieving process. Then we can start to look deeper at where that emotion is coming from and manage the cause when it shows up again. We can take a step back and observe the physical sensations associated with the anger, concentrate on our breathing, and try to quell the tension and discomfort that comes with this incredibly raw emotion. The anger then may not spiral out of control and we might not rage at some rando in the park with his dog off leash. Now, I should mention too that Dr. Jill's quote, rule, end quote, has drawn its fair share of opposition and debate, especially as it applies to grief. That's because grief is so complex and deeply personal that we may not be able to limit that experience of anger or any emotion to just 90 seconds. The grief we experience is nuanced by the nature of the loss, the relationship we've had with our pet, and the coping mechanisms we've learned thus far in life. We can still acknowledge and process our anger as it arises, rather than focus on a rigid 90 seconds. More research has shown physical activities and creative outlets can help in processing anger during our grieving. Yoga has a certain calming effect to it, I like to hit the gym and push some weights around. And of course, I always find it impossible to be angry when I'm in the woods hiking with Bella. Writing, painting, playing music can also offer a channel for expressing and transforming anger into something meaningful. Writing is particularly cathartic for me. And in fact, James W. Pennebaker and Joshua M. Smith found that writing about difficult and traumatic experiences can help us let go of some of the pain we're feeling. In their book, Opening Up by Writing It Down, How Expressive Writing Improves Health and Eases Emotional Pain, they describe that people who participated in their research showed increased physical stress responses in heart rate and blood pressure while writing about their pain or trauma. But when they measured those responses after people had finished writing, their numbers dropped to lower than they had been to start and they stayed there. We can also seek support. Grief must be witnessed. We must be seen and heard for us to heal from the loss of our best fur friends. But that support, dear listener, must come from like-minded friends and family. There is a large population of humans who will never understand the profundity of our loss when our pets move on to the next realm. They have no appreciation for the deep emotional connection we shared with our companion animals. And if we go to them for support, we may find none and when we're experiencing anger it can further strain relationships with friends and family who just don't get it there are online communities i just launched one called forever friends under my big white dog photography facebook page along with support groups or even grief counseling and for that i recommend my dear friend and previous podcast guest beth bigler of at honoring our animals on instagram Seek safe spaces to share your anger and emotions with others who understand the depth of your grief. Open, honest, and judgment-free communication are crucial to being understood and to understanding our own emotions. And finally, we must be patient with ourselves. It is okay to be angry while we're grieving. There's a lot of shit going on that we just don't understand all the time. Grief is a deeply personal journey and there is no timeline or right way to grieve. If we give ourselves permission to feel and express all the things, all the feelings, including anger, we can gradually move toward acceptance and healing. Anger, like grief and guilt, are natural parts of the grieving process. Although we don't experience any of these emotions in a chronological timeline, or even at all necessarily. Through self reflection, healthy outlets, and the right support, though, we can find constructive ways to channel our anger and navigate the grieving process with compassion and understanding for ourselves. Remember, friends, you are not alone in this journey. Reach out to those who can provide empathy and understanding. And together, we can navigate this intricate landscape of grief and emerge stronger on the other side. We do often feel like we have no one, though. And that's the subject to dig into for next month's solo episode, the loneliness. If you have a story to share about how lonely you feel or felt while grieving, send me a DM on the One Last Network Instagram or Facebook. Drop me an email at Angela at OneLastNetwork.com. Or send me a voice message at my Big White Dog Photography Office phone 509-720-8784. Next week, Darlene Woodward of Panthertown Photography in Massachusetts is back, interviewing Julie Gass of the Massachusetts Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. They have a great discussion on palliative care for our pets. Until then. I'm Angela Schneider owner of Big White Dog Photography in Spokane, Washington, and your host at One Last Network, signing off to go get some Bella snuggles. Listen to One Last Network on whichever podcast platform you prefer. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to hit follow or subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have a friend who might be interested in our content, make sure you share us with them. Thanks for listening.